Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And we are covering two of the very last episodes of The Clone Wars this week. And these ones are special. We are recapping Old Friends Not Forgotten and Phantom Apprentice, The Clone Wars Season 7, Episodes 9 and 10. But you would hardly know that they're Clone Wars episodes because Lucasfilm Limited appears in green. There's so much that is buck wild about these episodes. There's the green intro. There is a red logo. And then the music. It's just the Star Wars main theme. It's the Star Wars theme. Do, 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 do. And so here we go. So heroic. There's no fortune cookie. The text that rolls across the screen just says, part one, old friends not forgotten. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so we begin on a massive battle on Yerbana. Yerbana? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a type of coffee in South yeah, America. Yeah, my brain said Tea. mate, Yerbana mate. <laughs> so good stuff, good stuff all around. This is a very delightful scene. I'm going to save it for our main discussion. Suffice to say, Anakin leads a very tricky assault by pretending to surrender mm-hmm. to the Separatist battle droids. And as soon as the opposing tactical droid comes out of hiding, he goes, R2, now! And a battalion of clones with jetpacks dive bomb out from underneath the bridge. Anakin pulls the tactical droid toward him with a force, takes his head off with one swipe of the lightsaber. It is very good. Mm-hmm. And then almost immediately, he and Obi-Wan get a transmission from Ahsoka. First called Fulcrum. And they think it's Saw Gerrera, but Yularen says, no, it's not Gerrera. It's someone else. You better come up to the ship and see. I'm already crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ahsoka via Holocron tells Anakin and Obi-Wan that she and Bo-Katan have located Maul, and she thinks that they can capture him if they work together. Ahsoka and the Night Owls land. They immediately start to strategize. Bo-Katan proposes a joint operation because they know that Maul is in Sundari, which is the capital of Mandalore, but Bo-Katan and the Night Owls don't have the forces that they need for a siege. Mm -hmm. So she wants the Republic forces to help her lock the capital down so that Maul can't get out, the Republic can take Maul, and Bo-Katan can take Mandalore. But... She comes on really strong in these negotiations, and Obi-Wan is like, but if we commit forces on a neutral planet, we'll break centuries-old treaties. We'll start a war. And Bo-Katan is like, what's another war? I wrote, she said that acidly, which is how she speaks. That is how she is. Yeah. That's just her general vibe. Obi-Wan, you know, kind of narrows his eyes, tells her that he'll go tell the Jedi Council. She's like, there's no time. But while they were waiting for Obi-Wan to update the Jedi Council, Anakin has Christmas presents for Ahsoka. And then I start crying messily. The entire 501st has painted their helmets orange and white. Ahsoka's colors, they match her face. Mm -hmm. There are tears literally rolling into my neck. And then just before Anakin can present Ahsoka with a final gift, an alarm starts blaring Grievous is attacking Coruscant, and Obi-Wan needs all the Republic forces. He's going to abandon Mandalore. And Ahsoka's like, that's it? You're going to just leave Mandalore hanging because the Chancellor needs you? She's getting really riled up. And then Anakin is like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm promoting Rex to commander. He's going to take the 501st to Mandalore. Ahsoka will go as an advisor 
The helmet paint already matches. It's perfect. And then Anakin says, but you're going to need these. And he opens a box and Ahsoka pulls out two beautiful matching lightsabers. They are her old saber hilts with matching new blue kyber crystals. Everything is perfect. There are tears in my mouth. But Kenobi has some parting words for her as well, which is one more thing. I killed Maul once. Best to capture him. He doesn't seem to stay dead. And then Ahsoka and the 501st start their incursion on Mandalore. So now actually it's a subunit. It's the 332nd. Oh, the 332nd. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a phenomenal aerial invasion scene that I'm sure Sam will break down for us blow by bow later because (laughs) it is fantastic. So cool. The long and short of it is that Ahsoka lands on the surface of Sundari, somersaulting against the explosions and carnage that she caused on the way down. She is a woman woman invasion force. She is a combat monster. And then Bo-Katan goes after Prime Minister Almec in the throne room, and Ahsoka goes after the, I guess, Maldalorian forces. Yeah, <laughs> run by Gar Saxon and Rook Cast. They all zoomed into the sewage tunnels of the Undercity. Bo-Katan overpowers Almec in this fantastic fist fight, and then she's like, where's Maul? And he spits at her, and he's like, Maul wanted you to bring the Jedi here, but you brought the wrong one. And she tries to radio Ahsoka. No it was signal. a trap. No signal. No sewers. signal. It was a trap. In the sewers, the Maldalorians pick off all of Ahsoka's clone troopers one by one. And then finally, in the center of the Underdark, she hears metallic footsteps. Sam, do you want to do the line? <laughs> I was hoping for Kenobi. Why are you here? No, no, but dumb. Just hard out. Just cut. Just yeah. There's no. There's no title crawl. There's no credit. Yeah. Which bookends nicely with the second arc here, season seven, episode ten, a Phantom Apprentice, LucasArts Limited, no music. Another deeply ominous red intro. And then no recap. There's Maul in the sewers. There's four entryways into the sewer. Ahsoka is sitting there, and Maul says. Ahsoka Tano, is it? I don't know you. Ahsoka says, we have several mutual friends, but I'm afraid your way of thinking is behind the times. Ahsoka has activated her emergency Rex hologram, and he's on his (laughs) way to save her. Ahsoka wants him to surrender, but he says, I'm not going to surrender. That would be pointless. Soon the Jedi and Republic will no longer be the controlling interest in the galaxy. Ahsoka thinks it's him. She thinks that Maul is going to take over, but Maul says, no, it's Darth Ugh, Sidious. Oh. Rex shows up. The fight immediately changes. Maul runs away and escapes. And then this is where the plot of Revenge of the Sith starts to catch up with us. Because we're in the throne room. We're on the phone with Kenobi. And everyone's like, hey, Obi-Wan, have you ever heard of a Darth Sidious? And Obi-Wan's like, ah. Oh, crud that got me like this is the thing that's been going on he is supposedly the sith lord who's infiltrated the republic orchestrated the whole clone wars we're trying to track him down played both sides the whole time and the only person who knows anything about him is dooku and unfortunately anakin just killed dooku dooku is dead which small spoiler warning is like the first fight of uh 
Revenge of the Sith. So we are in the midst of Revenge of the Sith right So now. we're not doing perfect chronological order. It just was a little bit too messy. So in yeah. an ideal world, we would watch, you know, the first episode, Old Friends Not Forgotten, then we would watch Revenge of the Sith, and then we would come back to this one. But it was a headache. So uh, Kenobi cannot send reinforcements because he needs to go to Utapau to take out General Grievous. But he sends everyone else from the room and says, Ahsoka... Anakin has been sent on a special assignment to watch the Chancellor. And Ahsoka says, well, he's going to hate that because the Chancellor is a mentor to him. But they are unable to make time to have this communication. And Ahsoka says, tell Anakin. And Kenobi says, I will. Hmm. With, you know, tell him what? We'll find out. So there's an attack. There's an ambush down in the Undercity. Ahsoka has to go down there. She finds several dying clones, and one of them, Arc Trooper Jesse, has been captured by Maul. So she's on her way to go attack him, but Maul is torturing Jesse and learning information out of him. Like force interrogating him? Yeah. But before we can figure out what's going on, uh, we cut to Almec up in the prison, the same prison that Satine was in. And he is about to spill the beans, but he's being really slimy to the good guys, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka. And all of a sudden, Gar Saxon's sniper shot silences all neck. So what we did find out is that in the last few weeks, Maul has been filled with this sense of dread, mm-hmm. and he had a vision. And he hasn't been sleeping. And the name Skywalker came to him. And then Almec dies. Mm-hmm. But we got what we needed. We did. There's a thrilling fight scene as Bo-Katan chases Gar Saxon through an elevator shaft with rocket boots. It's uh, crazy. And then we see Maul talking with the whole syndicate, telling everyone to go to ground. We get a little bit of exposition of how Maul got free from when Palpatine Darth Sidious captured him at the end of season five. And as everyone is saying, okay, well, we need to track down Maul. We don't have any problems. We're looking at this chaos. Bo-Katan and Rex and Ahsoka walk into the throne room. And who is sitting on the throne? The man himself, Maul. So explosions continue. Rex has to go do Rex things. Bo-Katan goes and is going to fight off the Maul DeLoreans, leaving Ahsoka versus Maul in the throne room. And then Maul propositions her. He says, we were both tools of greater Mm -hmm. powers. The Jedi cannot defeat Sidious, but together you and I can. Mm -hmm. And then outside the throne room, there is a huge final incursion The windows shatter. We go into a slow-mo shot. And then Ahsoka says, I will help you, but you must answer one question. What do you want with Anakin Skywalker? Maul says, he is the key to everything. Ahsoka says, to bring balance to the Force. And Maul says, to destroy. He has long been groomed for the role as my master's new apprentice. And Ahsoka says, you lie. I do not. In fact, I orchestrated this war to bring Kenobi and him here to kill him, thus depriving Sidious of his star pupil. And then Ahsoka says, I know, Anakin. Lightsabers turn on. Fires up her lightsabers. Your vision is flawed. I see the Padawan needs one last lesson. And then it is on because those are fighting words. Unlike Donkey Kong, my friends. So we see a really crazy fight. Maul is stronger. Ahsoka is smarter. 
and they are able to fight back and forth. Every scene from the throne room blends into the siege outside. They're connected by explosions. Rex is like sitting there with all the clones and he's like, okay, I'm getting a little overextended out here when Bo-Katan shows up and saves him. There's a phenomenal moment when Maul gets on top of Ahsoka. She boots him through a stained glass window. Mm -hmm. She leaps after him. And then she's looking around. He's climbing up the dome over Sundari because Sundari is this massive dome city into the scaffolding of it. And she's able to meet him there right as he gets off the phone with Gar Saxon because Gar Saxon's like, we need your help. We're losing. And Maul's like, yes, well, I told you to die well. Die well. Have a nice day. Goodbye. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. And Ahsoka says, "You were Obi-Wan was right. You are hard to kill. And they start fighting again on this scaffolding. So in the, they're in this six-way intersection of I-beams, girders, they're tightrope walking as they fight back and forth. Maul is in close, but he's getting elbows to the face. Eventually, he knocks away one of Ahsoka's lightsabers, then the other lightsaber, and they chop through the scaffolding that they're on. She's holding him off with her fists. She twists him. She flings him down. His saber slices through the beam that he's standing on. Mm -hmm. He tumbles toward the ground. And then she grabs him with a force. Rex had seen all this and brought ships up. And Maul is asking, please let me die. Let me fall. And so it's like, no, no. Absolutely not. And then Maul has his breakdown. We're all going to die in the age of coming darkness, yada, yada, yada. Eventually Rex and the 332nd wrap him all up in ropes, stun him. And hard cut. <laughs> That's the end of the episode, my friends. Ahsoka is just looking up into the darkness at the ship that was going to pick him up, which has disappeared. Yep. And so we still have a lot to cover, but we are in motion. That was the longest plot summary that we have done in many, many moons because wow. these were extra long episodes. Yes, each one was like 30 minutes long. Yeah. So Sam told me that these four episodes, the Siege of Mandalore arc, are more cinematic in nature, and together they essentially make a fourth prequel movie. Yeah. I guess a fifth prequel movie if you count the Clone Wars movie. Well, it's interesting that you should mention the Clone Wars movie because this acts as an interesting bookend of that as well. Mm. That is the introduction of Ahsoka's character, and also there's the strong back and forth of the perfidy, the main character committing oh. a false surrender action. Fascinating. I did not pick up on that. Yeah, I thought that was that was really funny because it is a nice rhythm of this. Yeah. In yeah. the Clone Wars movie, Obi-Wan was the one committing perfidy. And then in this, you know, prequel movie, it's Anakin. That is delightful. The opening scene is bonkers. So bonkers. I do want to say my feeling about this arc is that it was specially designed for people to watch right before Revenge of the Sith. Oh, absolutely. It's got new animation rigs. It's really crisply designed. Feels like they're putting on this like extra special face for casual fans. A lot of the community, the Star Wars community, has been like, hey, it'd be really cool if we remade Revenge of the Sith in the Clone Wars art style or something. Ooh. Because you could make like a six-hour Revenge of the Sith slash Siege of Mandalore. Mega art. marathon. Yeah, and have it just have an A plot, B plot, C plot, D plot. And it would oh, be I want that fantastic. more than anything I've ever wanted, ever. There are places on the internet where you could track down a supercut 
of all of them. Mm. And there is a false cut location. There's a spot where Maul is looking off into the distance being haunted by an idea of Sidious Mm. and thinking that if you line up the scenes, it lines up very well with one of other Darth Sidious's screams, but the actions don't quite make sense. I would love Revenge of the Sith in this animated style because it is possible to do such a better job with Anakin. You know, there's some kind of infamous criticism of the way that George Lucas directed Hayden Christensen, who was Anakin, in Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith. And I think Clone Wars Anakin has always been so pitch perfect that I kind of want to see the continuation of that Anakin, that level of expressiveness that George Lucas was really directing out of Hayden Christensen. So that's a really interesting point. We've watched a little bit of the 2002-2003 Clone Wars, uh, the Tartakovsky, Mm -hmm. and in that, the Anakin is more like Hayden Christensen's cinematic Anakin. Mm-hmm. And really then, buttoned up. Yeah, but Matt Latner's Anakin is much more vibrant, but in a way, I think he seems almost too old. He is a much older Anakin. Yeah, it the idea of Anakin, like season seven Anakin Skywalker, not being a Jedi Master is insane. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Although that may be why he later on has opinions about that. So I do love the book ending of this chapter of Star Wars because, of course, Ahsoka was not created for Revenge of the Sith. So there had to be a really hard stop mm-hmm. with Ahsoka's character, right? And there was a tiny moment, and and then we can get into our big discussion, but there was a tiny moment that I want to call out really quickly, which is that when Ahsoka, Maul, Bo-Katan, and Rex were all in the throne room converging, those were all of Filoni's original characters oh, yeah. that he created in the Clone Wars. And I just loved that moment of all four of them coming together in a way that they never could do in the feature films because they were made 20 years earlier. Yeah, that's true. And the way that they meet is so intriguing. It was super beautiful. I loved it. But, okay, we digress. There are so many things to talk about in these episodes. Where do you want to start? So the very beginning scene is spectacular. Spectacular. There is a... So first of all, during the intro, which is quick, it is shorter than a normal Clone Wars intro, we see several important scenes. One of them is Aayla Sakura on Felucia. Another one is Plo Koon on Kata Nemoidia. And another one is Deepa Palaba and Caleb Doom. Oh, I don't know who those are. You don't. <laughs> no, no, I'm name dropping here. Okay. It's going to be really fun. Sam is name dropping for the uh, for the, the more in the know fans. Yes. We see all of these people, which is because this is all written after Rebels and all written after Revenge of the Sith, that we're seeing all these characters getting to the places where they are for the events of Revenge of the Sith, which <laughs> is very cool. We start, we're on a narrow bridge, a suspension bridge, and Cody is marching across it. An artillery shell is about to just wipe him out of existence when one of the possibly, if not the coolest Obi-Wan Kenobi scene in the Clone Wars, he all of a sudden the shell splits in two as Obi-Wan samurai slices it in two. (laughs) And then the dust clears and his lightsaber comes out of the way and it's Obi-Wan and he ducks to cover. It is Obi-Wan looking as fine (laughs) as I have ever 
ever seen him as fine as frog hair, my friends. Peak Obi-Wan. And then, Peak Anakin, Obi-Wan. then Anakin shows up. He's like, why are you guys ducking? And he's like dodging lasers. <laughs> like, you guys are lame. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> We're already done with our battle. Uh, that's a very fun scene, just the intro. But I noted, my gosh, how it's almost over the top compared to some of the previous stuff. What I loved about it and what I wrote down was, is this Anakin at his best? Mm. This might be Anakin at his best. He is cool, confident. He doesn't even need much violence, right? There are Anakins in previous Clone Wars eras where Anakin would have grabbed all of the troops and, you know, rallied them for a massive charge. And instead, he just saunters towards the battle droids on the other Mm -hmm. side of the field. And he's grandstanding. He's showboating. He's like... I confess you've overwhelmed us. I've never done this before. I'm going to surrender. And they're like, what is going on? Call the tactical droid. And it was all a lure to get the tactical droid out of hiding. And then Anakin just yanks him forward, beheads him with one swipe. Mm-hmm. And then clones and jetpacks start pouring out of the sky. From underneath the bridge where they've been climbing. Fantastic. It's just, it's a clever, it's a clever Anakin. It is. And then we cut to the interesting, relatable parts of Anakin. So the conversation between Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, Anakin, and Obi-Wan about drawing the Republic into another war. Mm-hmm. And Kenobi's like, yeah, like this is sketchy. We can't be drawn into another war. Bo-Katan is like, this is all your fault. And also... Who cares? And also, I thought you cared about my sister. Mm, Yeah. So that reveal, I thought, was kind of muted for what it was. It was, although everyone in the room knew it. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ahsoka does call her Lady Bo-Katan and no one blinks an eye. Then we are also dealing with Anakin being very hangdog, very absent father, very ex-boyfriend getting back together. Oh, do you think so? I got that a lot because he's like, ah, yes, I am so glad you are back. Everything's going to be back to normal. Here are some gifts. Fascinating. I read that scene completely. I read that dynamic completely differently. Well, tell me all about it. Well, so the reunion scene between Anakin and Ahsoka had me heartbroken. Mm -hmm. He's so excited to see her. He's like a big puppy. Mm -hmm. And she is so cool and firm and resolute. She calls him master. You know, when she walks down the gangplank to strategize with him and Obi-Wan, no handshake, no hug. She just cuts him off. She's like, you know, we'll have to catch up another time. Yeah. And in a way, I thought, that coolness on her part was kind of misplaced. Really? Because Anakin was the one who cleared her name and the only one who fought for her in the end of season five. I think she's setting a healthy boundary for herself. I think she's saying, I could probably come back and be a Jedi again. And it's really just up to Anakin to bring me back into that life. But with her time with the Martez sisters, she's... She's become pretty anti-Jedi. She has seen a lot of the hypocrisy by virtue of being on the ground with regular people who would depend on the Jedi if they could, but they can't. And she calls that out explicitly because right before she gets her lightsabers, as she's getting saluted by the entire 501st, she's saying, 
you guys can't just drop everything. We're in the middle of this major political maneuvering. And they're like, we have to save the people of Coruscant. And she says, the people of Coruscant or the chancellor. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan feels that. Yeah, he's, like, he's got no yeah. defense. He, he does not because he, Obi-Wan, has called out how involved they are with the chancellor time after time. That calls forward to the big spoiler that everyone's well aware of here at this point of the Star Wars experience that the Chancellor and Darth Sidious are the same person. Right. And how he has so artfully hidden that from everyone that even Ahsoka, who is so critical of the council, who was nearly condemned to die by Chancellor Palpatine, is like, he's okay. You know, he's a Chancellor. He's whatever. And it's like his crimes are covered up. Yeah, and we're seeing the Jedi Council beginning to have like little stirrings of distrust, right? They assign Anakin to spy on him. He's supposed to uncover their true intentions. But it's it's so little so late mm-hmm. that even Ahsoka calling out the hypocrisy, right, of Obi-Wan and the Jedi Council rushing to Coruscant to save the Chancellor is just not enough. But it's I don't not. know that that has a lot to do with Anakin, It kind of looms over him. Over this whole episode, Sidious and Anakin loom. Because Anakin doesn't even show up in the second episode. Right, yeah. But his presence is felt so clearly as Sidious is for what they're up to matters so much for this plot. Yeah. Maybe the reason that I want Revenge of the Sith animated in this style is to see a more sophisticated segue between the Anakin of these episodes and the Anakin of Revenge of the Sith, I want to see that slide to the dark side rendered more beautifully and more and more smoothly. Well, let's hold that criticism until we watch Revenge of the Sith. Okay. You know? Okay, the- good point. I'm I'm really putting the card ahead of the horse. You I'm are. just excited. Yeah, yeah. It's this is so cool. And when I first watched this arc and we hit that point where we're on the phone with Kenobi and he's like, Yeah, Anakin just killed Dooku. Uh, my jaw hit the floor. My jaw hit the floor too. Because I was like, oh, that's where we are. That's what's going on. This is important. This is related. And now we have this combined timeline, which is scary. Yeah. We're we- seeing so many different sides of the action. Yeah. So an important thing that got glossed over a little bit and I did a bunch of research into is what happened during season six for Maul. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because the first time we saw Maul in season six was when Ahsoka during the Martez sisters arc was infiltrating the Pike spice factory. Mm -hmm. Right. And I said to you. Sam, I don't remember the last time we saw Maul, and I don't understand why he's standing here, right? And so that thought left my brain, just evaporated until now. So at the end of season five, Maul, is, Maul and Savage are beat handily. Savage gets kebabbed. He gets a Savage kebab, and Maul is shocked 
into the floor as the camera zooms out as he begs for mercy. And that's the end of season five, basically. And maybe that's why I forgot what happened, right? Because like nobody, nobody, no crime. Like we didn't actually see Sidious slash Palpatine do anything with Maul. So I just forgot. That could have been the end of him. Nothing from Maul in season six. Season seven, we see he still has this criminal organization. He's still together. So I looked into who's this Gar Saxon Hitler youth looking dude and who's <laughs> He really looks like one of the um one of the Hemsworth brothers. He does. He looks like the one who's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's Rook Jawline Cast. for days. Uh-huh. Then there's Rook Cast, who has uh purple hair and a dangerous look about her. And they're Maul's go-to people. They're his lieutenants. So in the Sons of Dathomir comic book arc, those two, Gar Saxon and Rook Cast, stage a daring prison break to rescue Maul from a separatist prison, oh. which actually involves Maul and Dooku fighting, Dooku pretending to work for Maul, Maul knowing that Dooku's not working for him, resurrection of Mother Talzin partially, this whole crazy comic book arc. But it is pretty well glossed over in one line where Maul says, Saxon cast, you guys helped me escape from Palpatine or from Sidious. And now we're ready to fight. And then he just sacrifices them. And Rook cast is captured by Bo-Katan and Gar Saxon escapes, presumably or not, as he's running away from this battle. So is that Sons of Dathomir comic canon? Great question. Probably, and here's here's another interesting thing. So there was a book called Ahsoka, which came out, and it is a canon book. It is also slightly disagrees with this, which came out later, but it tells generally this story, including the fights between Ahsoka and Maul. It's just that the dialogue was changed and the lightsaber colors were changed. I was just curious because a daring prison rescue with Maul and Dooku fighting would have made phenomenal television. So it would have been a cool thing to adapt into one of the season seven episodes, right? Like to make this a five-part arc, I think wouldn't have been a huge stretch of the imagination. Maybe, but I think perhaps the intent of Filoni... And this is reading into the intentions of someone who's still alive. And, you know, well, maybe someday listen to this podcast. Probably not, though. But it'd be be cool. But I feel like he was given a fork. And it's, do I tell the rest of Maul's story as I wish it to happen? Or do I tell the rest of Ahsoka's story as I wish it to happen? Hmm. And I think, perhaps based off the feedback from season five, or from some future events to be uh, unnamed as of yet, he wanted to tell more of Ahsoka's story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's his OG. She's his OG, and she has a lot more... You cannot imagine her just frittering away the last months of the Clone War doing nothing. She's a Mm -hmm, hero. mm -hmm. She's an absolute hero. So I think having her be the hero surfing ships down to Sindari (laughs) as they burn and then being a one woman airstrike is like, that is the, that is who she is and where she's going to be. And that's why in the Martez sisters arc, Bo-Katan is like, I know that girl, like, let's get her. (laughs) She seems, she seems incredibly violent and dangerous. Let's use her for violence and danger. 
I do want to talk about the dynamic between Ahsoka and Maul. Because there's so much going on. There is so much going on. It's interesting that this is the first time they've met. So you relayed that really fantastic conversation between them when Maul is propositioning Ahsoka and she says yes. And she's like, but first you have to ask, first you have to answer one question. Mm -hmm. My question for you, Sam, were you surprised that Ahsoka initially said yes when Maul propositioned her? No. And here's why. Dooku had the same ask of Kenobi on Geonosis in Attack of the Clones, which is, why don't you join me and we'll figure out what's going on? And Kenobi foolishly said no, but also Kenobi had more and less information. Kenobi knew that Dooku had been a Jedi, had fallen to the dark side, was working with the Separatists. And for all that Dooku said, I'm trying to overthrow the Sith Lord, it's a little bit unbelievable. Also, Kenobi was strung up by his electro hamstrings in a containment field. Do you think that was foolish to turn him down? It would have been an interesting thing if they had worked together because, and and this is possibly on Dooku as well. If Dooku had said, Obi-Wan, I'm going to remand myself into your custody to take before the Jedi Council and spill everything I know about the Dark Lord of the Sith to overthrow him, that would have gone differently. Hmm. So Dooku's pride got in the way. Maul, on the other hand, has a healthy fear of Sidious, but he also wants to take Sidious out. Like, he very visibly wants to take Sidious out. He he no longer figures that he has a spot in Sidious's organization. And he talks about that with his lieutenants later of, in the coming chaos, we will thrive, yada, yada, as part of a pretty uninspiring inspirational speech. Felt like he was pumping himself up. But Maul's intentions are to break Sidious. And he's going to be fine no matter what happens. And the difficulty, his pride, Maul's pride, is that the Republic has already fallen, the Jedi Order have already fallen, and they just don't realize it yet, which is true. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds like a good plan when he lays it out to Ahsoka, right? But he's he's telling he's he's a crazy person. He really is. He really seems to be backsliding in these episodes, especially. You know, he had that moment after Mommy T yanked out his like weird depression juice, uh-huh. and he was very cool, calm, and collected. He was a brilliant tactician, and all of a sudden, he's more muttery and ranty and ravey, closer to how Savage found him. Now, I think that. Almec actually talks about that because it's implied that Maul, over the past several weeks, has not been sleeping, been suffering delusions, been going crazier and crazier, mm-hmm. perhaps from the strain of channeling the forest in this shadowy manner, which is almost like he's trying to run an opposing shadow to Sidious's shadows. Mm. And that seems like a lot of work and it might be driving him a little bit batty, particularly because at this point, after however many years, however many decades, at least two decades, probably longer, Sidious's plans are coming to fruition. And there's this 
force as well as geopolitical and military momentum behind all of that. And Maul is exhausted from trying to swim against it. Mm-hmm. Then I think Ahsoka would have been on board under any circumstances except one where Anakin was killed. Yeah. And that is what Maul sees as his keystone in his plan, because he says, the only way that I can take out Sidious is to deprive him of apprentices. And Maul recognizes that Anakin is Sidious's apprentice, which is a really sneaky way to make an apprentice, especially because, you know, Maul knows a bit about being a Sith apprentice, right? He's He's been part of it. He's interacted with Asajj. He's interacted with Dooku. And he sees that pulling someone from the dark side hasn't worked nearly as well. And in fact, the way that Palpatine and Sidious have done things, fully embracing the organization and corrupting an organization from the inside, doing that to the Jedi Order means that's why there's no spot in Sidious's organization for Maul. Sidious is looking for a Jedi to corrupt, not a Sith to empower. Hmm. And I do think that Ahsoka wouldn't take any deal that involved Anakin's death because of what you alluded to earlier, which is that Anakin is the only Jedi who treated her right. Yeah, I mean, there's such a beautiful growth in their relationship, right? At the beginning, there's that very cool and distant vibe where Anakin is trying to make up and... Anakin is trying to make Ahsoka feel welcome again, Mm -hmm. and Ahsoka isn't willing, right? But then there's something really beautiful in the way that they start to treat each other. By the end of the first episode in this arc, it's almost like they're both fellow Jedi knights under Obi-Wan, right? Like Anakin says, that's what friends are for, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's – It's like a growth of their master Padawan relationship, but they can still talk about how Anakin was her mentor. Like when Ahsoka is saying goodbye to Anakin as he's going to Coruscant. Coruscant? Yeah. She says, you know, Obi-Wan says there's no such thing as luck. And Anakin's like, hey, good thing I taught you better. Yeah. Right? And so there's a, a beautiful evolution of their dynamic. And I think that's why... It would, it would have been impossible for Ahsoka to give him up anyway, but now they've had this really gorgeous reunion. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it all the more impossible for her to ever say, a plan that hinges on destroying Anakin is a plan that I'm willing to get behind. Yeah, There's just no universe in which Ahsoka would sign on to a plan that just involves destruction. Yeah, I think if... Maul had been like, hey, why don't you and me team up and go take out Sidious together, like straight on in a fight? She would have taken that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that Ahsoka has grown over the course of the Clone Wars because for the first time ever, when I saw Ahsoka facing down Maul, Mm -hmm. you know, this horrifying threat, I wasn't completely appalled. I was nervous for her, but I was like... Yeah, this is a grown-up Ahsoka. She can handle this. Especially because we've seen Maul beat up a lot of people. Maul is real scary. But going back to when we very first see Ahsoka fight with her lightsaber, we see her in the Clone Wars movie, but we one of the first battles we see with her is against Grievous. Oh my god. And I was horrified 
We talked about this in that mm-hmm. episode. I was like, I hate this dynamic of this massive, you know, quasi adult. Yeah lurking looming figure standing over her trying to kill her but the the vibe had shifted and ahsoka has grown so much that in this arc i was like yeah this is okay ahsoka can hold her ground and she does in some of the absolute best sword fights of the entire clone wars for sure there's that phenomenal moment Mm -hmm. that i really 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 want to talk about which is that in the first duel between Mm -hmm. Maul and Ahsoka in the throne room. He knocks one of her lightsabers out of her hands. She grabs it through the force. It beautifully slides between his legs as he's corkscrewing through the air. Yeah. And she smirks at him. And she says, you're lucky Anakin didn't show up. The way you're fighting, you wouldn't have lasted long. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, you have Kenobi's arrogance. And Ahsoka says my favorite Ahsoka line of all of human history. She says... You'll find I have many qualities for you to dislike. Ahsoka has her groove back so hard in these episodes. yeah. Right in the initial assault, where in one of those LAATs, there's Mandalorians and missiles flying at them. Bo-Katan is like, come on, let's bounce out. Rex says, I'm sorry, I didn't think to bring a jetpack for you. And Ahsoka says... Don't need one. Race you to the surface and jumps. Swan dives out the open door of the freighter. And then proceeds to kick, slice, and more than kill. Like, if you slice the jetpack of a Mandalorian during an aerosol outside Sindaria and they fall 600 feet, they're going to die. But that's faster than actually stabbing them. So she slices her way down this invasion wave she's running from landing craft to landing craft to go faster and that moment of her getting her lightsabers back compared to who she was in the martez sisters arc and compared to who she was at the end of the jedi temple bombing arc she has got it back and we see that in this fight with maul this is peak ahsoka absolutely we've never seen her like this before no Wearing her cool armor, wearing... Cool night owl colors with like Mandalorian Beskar plates. Yeah, no sleeves, but very cool. It covers her midriff for, you know... For the first time ever. She's like, I'm a grown woman. (laughs) No one needs to see my belly button anymore. (laughs) I want no one to know that I have a belly button. It does not exist. Her uh, Montal's grown up a little bit. She just looks significantly different. And in the glow of those blue lightsabers, she's doing some really amazing stuff. So one tiny thing before we get to Baywatch, because I've been shouting people out on where they are in the universe. We did see Marg Krim, and we saw Zeton Maj and Dryden Voss. Ooh. Yes, for a brief instant as Maul is summoning the syndicate to make good his escape. Dryden Voss, I think, is a new name for me. Yeah, we'll see him actually relatively shortly. Oh. Yeah. You may know him from such films as Solo. Oh! So it's interesting seeing all of these characters together with this extremely high-end art. Ursa Wren gets called out, Bo-Katan, lots of cool people. And uh, 
it's so full of Easter eggs for longtime fans that when this came out, and this is like, you know, the newest animated work. This is like the the last animated work in the Star Wars universe mm. in a long time. It uh it wrecked. It was amazing. It wrecked. If we did not have a G-rated podcast, I would have some more colorful language for you. I, I have I have some real colorful language it in my notes. Wrecked. <laughs> the thing that I want to call out before Baywatch is just the tiny, lovely moment. And for me, this was almost an Easter egg. It's at the end of Anakin's very clever incursion on Urbana. Mm -hmm. And Anakin and Obi-Wan are standing together while the clones go ham on the battle droids. Uh They're just, they're surveying the carnage that they caused together. They're just happy to be with each other. And it felt like the first moment that we saw Anakin really happy since Ahsoka left. And we got to see them be brothers. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Yeah. I could cry just thinking about it. It was great. <laughs> well, let's figure out if we join the light side or the dark side. Yeah. Speaking of bays that we're happy to see, I think it's time for Baywatch. Yep. It's time for Baywatch. Bay it's time Bay for Baywatch. I see you carefully curating your notes over there. But I presume you already have a bay in mind. I do have a bay in mind, and I was organizing my receipts. Okay, let's hear it. I think you can probably all guess who my bay is. I can't believe you went for Marg Krim. <laughs> I want to say I had some honorary bay mentions. Rex was fantastic in this arc. Mm-hmm. He was helpful. He was loving. He had Ahsoka's back. He refused to not call her commander. It was fantastic. Anakin had an honorary Baywatch mention. Interesting. I think I just like surprises and I like gifts. I think he was just speaking my love language. It's just kind of embarrassing. (laughs) Big on quality time. Yeah. That was really doing it for me. Uh I was like, if this is the Anakin that Padme fell in love with, I get it, girl. Yeah, because he probably brings her, you know, He's talking to Tech after the Bad Batch arc. He's like, hey, can I get one of those stingers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, can I get one of those electro wives for, for my, my electro knives for my secret wife? For my secret wife. She needs that in the kitchen. <laughs> secret knife for a secret wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's going to be Ahsoka. Makes sense. I mean, there's no question about that. But I wanted to present you with the most compelling evidence. Most and compelling it's evidence. A scene that we haven't talked about. Okay. When Ahsoka and Maul are doing their second duel up on the catwalks, and Maul shouts at her, we could have destroyed Sidious. And she shouts back, only for you to take his place. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, God, Ahsoka is so smart. She's so quick on the uptake. She's so brave. She's so strategic. She's so farsighted. Yeah. She just wasn't going to be fooled by this trickster and she wasn't going to even flirt with something that would be evil for the sake of good she has decided to be a being who does the right thing at no matter the cost and the right thing is so complicated and she has fashioned herself like a knife to get at the truth. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fantastic. The other moment was in that duel with Maul. He knocks both of her lightsabers out, one after another, out of her hands. She faces up to him just with her fists. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And there is this expression of absolute fear on her face. Yeah. She is terrified and she stands her ground. She's like, all I have against this nine foot red blade Mm -hmm. and this massive man is my fists. She just, she stands her ground. She's willing to do it. She's playing to win. She's going to take this all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. And then he says, join me or die. She says, never. Yep. She refuses to join him and she refuses to die. Never. Yep. And then she could have killed him and she doesn't. Yep. She did what was asked of her. Obi-Wan said, you better take him alive. And that was the right thing to do in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And it was also like kind of the only way she could guarantee that she got him. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she's doing it because it's the right thing to do or if she's doing it because now that Anakin took out Dooku, this is the only way to figure out who Sidious is. I think all of the above. But I think when your adrenaline's up and it seems like there's a way to... 110% end someone's life who's a real threat, Mm -hmm. I feel like the temptation is to take it. And she didn't take it. Not to mention that you can't, like, letting a Force user fall doesn't really do much, you know? Like, they can... No, don't tell me that, Sam. That... No. We've seen... We've seen... I mean, we saw Ahsoka basically fall a mile earlier in this arc, so... The dialogue of Maul saying, just let me die, made me feel that the stakes were actually high. So I'm going to go with Ahsoka made a calculated decision. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like I'm not doing a very good job of expressing that my job was on the floor and there were tears pouring out of my face and like getting in my ears and my mouth. Like I'm not doing a good job of explaining how meaningful Ahsoka's arc was. This arc is the Clone Wars. This is the finale of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And it it sells it. It does it. It does the thing. Who is your bay? <sighs> and why a, is it Maul? It's a coin toss, isn't it? <laughs> it's a coin toss. Like we said, Maul is a little bit crazier than normal and has an insanity about him. And he set off this whole plan. He made this whole war. He invented this war on Mandalore and lured Bo-Katan in to lure Obi-Wan in to lure Anakin in so he could kill Anakin and presumably take his place and replace the whole galaxy with a crime syndicate under his command. So you can't fault him for ambition and you can't fault him for planning because it very narrowly avoided that. Yeah, right idea, questionable execution. Yeah, but... Peak Ahsoka. Peak Ahsoka, though. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Peak Ahsoka. Yes! Ahsoka rampages with those lightsabers in such an astonishing way, does the right thing. And gosh, there are so many fun Easter eggs in the combat between every single combat in this this arc. Mm. Call forwards, call backwards to previous movies. But... Your lucky Anakin isn't here. He would have beat you <laughs> six shades of black and blue. Just, I think you'll find I have many qualities yeah. for you to dislike is the best line I've ever heard. Because it's not like Ahsoka and Maul have beef. 
You know, it's not like they have ever fought each other or met each other. I mean, he did try to kill her grandmaster oh, like a million times. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's just that's just light side, dark side. The, the <laughs> that's main, just politics. That's just politics. The main thing is they went in and she showed what her deal is because she is not a Jedi. Mm. She's not part of the republic in any context of power she is just a gal with two lightsabers and a hankering to solve problems for people she is unequivocally good and it is so cool to watch in many ways i think the maul and ahsoka stories mirror each other so beautifully right maul tries to call her out on that he says we're the same. Yeah, they were both they were both apprentices cast out of their orders. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that they're both they were both used as tools and now they have grown past that into agents with their own motives and their own way of seeing the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And now they're both trying to carve out a totally new existence from chaos. And I wonder it almost seems like they're Dave Filoni's children, because that's what children do for parents. They grow mm-hmm. beyond. Mm-hmm. And, and they make their way. And that's what the theme of Star Wars is. Overriding all the movies is family. Yeah. Oh, his little murder babies. <laughs> I love that. Oh, <laughs> Baywatch always goes to the murder babies. And I think that's okay. <laughs> I think that's nice. Oh my god. All right, two votes for Ahsoka. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, listeners, Katunka heads, here's the plan. <laughs> Join us next week for Phantom Menace. We're going pod racing. Yahoo! Join us the week after that for Attack of the Clones. Oh, we're going back to Camino. We're getting our hair wet. I'm going to totally understand what's going on this time. We're going to get all film noir. We're going to follow saber darts. We're going to Dex's diner. We're going to see Zam Wessel's red lipstick again. We're going to go to Geonosis. So excited. Then we're going to watch Revenge of the Sith. Yo, in two parts. Two parts. Because we need that detail. We need that detail. Then we're going to come back and see what happens to Maul and Ahsoka. In the last half of the Siege of Mandalore arc. And then we're going to take five. (laughs) Then we're going to take a a vacation. We have not really taken a vacation in 70 podcast episodes. And both Anna and I are starting new uh, Earth jobs. Yeah, good for the environment jobs. Yeah, we are not Jedi Knights, unfortunately. We are doing our best. We're being good stewards of the galaxy. (laughs) So uh, we're going to get all that settled, but we'll hopefully... Take no longer than a two or three week break, and we'll be back to you with, wow, Bad Batch? With Bad Batch. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get to see my boys again. So it's going to be good. We have a special guest for the final episode of The Clone Wars, The Siege of Mandalore. We are having a special guest from Wikipedia on. Yay! Mm -hmm. And if you want more Skywalker, feel free to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can become one of our patrons. Memberships start at $3 a month. And send this episode to your favorite murder baby. (laughs) Send it to someone who has grown beyond your expectations. Ooh, that's a good one. 
Yeah. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.